God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just read this for you and tell you what to underline verse 33 says, another parable he spoke to them, saying the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. I like, I like, like these artists think they are all that and a bag of chips. Rhyming was long time. Heaven, leaven. Th- these things have been there from Bible time. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. I, I thought this would have been better if it were in verse 7. <laughs> it says, which a woman took Right, so you need to underline that word took. It is very important to the text. And hid, very important. Hid is also important to understanding the text. In three measures of meal, meal is important to the text as well, till it was all leavened. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And as the psalmist says, thine word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. We pray in the name of Jesus that we will receive your revealed word this morning with great joy and hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. This is not about us. It's all about you. Every aspect of the service is all for your glory. There is no sermon without your revelation. And no power is displayed without the unction of the Holy Spirit of the living God. So move mightily in our midst. And open our eyes to see your truth. Our ears to hear your voice. Our minds to understand your word. And our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. We desire to be more than hearers of your word, but doers also. We pray in the name of Jesus that someone this morning who have strayed from the faith will return to your loving arms, Almighty God. We pray that someone who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior would encounter you in such a way that the choice will be, yes, Lord. We thank you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Uh, This passage uh, or verse may seem tricky um, because that was doubtless the reaction of the disciples when they heard this little story from Jesus. Our Lord uh, uh, arrested them with this story and kind of shocked them somewhat with with this story right here. When he told them that there was this woman who hid uh, leaven in three measure of meal, they, they, they must have immediately thought to themselves, what a dirty trick to pull. What a sneaky thing to do. Perhaps it doesn't strike us that way, but this, this is because we are not in their shoe. We do not understand the symbols as Jesus used them. And so the purpose of our study this morning is to put ourselves back in their place and to hear their story as they heard it. Part of hermeneutics and understanding scripture is always to look at the context. The context is important. You know, um, there is C-O-N-C-O-N-T-E-X-T text. And so they say, if you take the text out of context, all you're left with is a con. So you must always ensure that you put things in their proper context. And if you don't do that, then the interpretation or the paraphrases from the scripture will be wrong. And I always tell people that we should not allow our sermons to be based predominantly on interpretation. Because when you have interpretation only, everyone can interpret it differently. 
But the revelation of the scripture is consistent. And that comes by the Holy Spirit. We don't discover sermons. We, they are revealed to us by the Spirit of God. In fact, this is one of those parables which has been greatly misinterpreted. And if I were to ask you, because many of you read, know the parable right before that, the one of the mustard seed. In fact, years ago, we did a, a sermon on the mustard seed and we gave out mustard seeds to every member of the church. I know. None of you know where your mustard seed is. Some people found some way to put it in some bags and put it in, some, uh, um, in their Bibles. You can't find it. And, and, and during that time, we did the pimento leaf, and we, we talked about being crushed, and we gave you the pimento leaf. That's gone as well. I mean, uh, all those things, right? So, we know the mustard seed, but right behind it is this parable. And so, a lot of misinterpretation. In fact, it has been treated in a very cavalier fashion, and its meaning has been grossly distorted into something entirely different from what our Lord intended. In fact, most of the major commentators, in fact, you will read some commentaries on this, that sounds good, but they are not accurate. So most of the commentary on this passage seem to throw all principles of interpretation to the winds and to take no notice of how scripture uses these symbols in other places. So they arrive at a meaning which is simply a result of their own wishful thinking. Not because something sounds good, meaning it is scriptural. Do you know, um, uh, if you're a Jamaican, you know this one. God helps those who help themselves. Can I get an amen? amen. Alright, that's not in the Bible though. God help those who cannot help themselves. As long as you're helping yourself, you're going to be in problems. There's no scripture that commands you to help yourself. It says, I can do all things. And when you are helpless, he is your present. Have you ever heard this? What goes for the geese? Do you know that that's not in the Bible? Because you can't treat everybody the same way. Amen? <laughs> That's true. You can't treat everybody the same way. It's unfair to treat everybody the same way. <laughs> I'm just going. I could give you some more, but you know. But, but, but sometimes there are some things that sound really good, but they are not really biblical. Uh, Jamaicans have a favorite one. Sorry for Marga dog. Yeah, in, in fact, the people who are suffering that you help, them turn around and hurt you. Isn't that what that means? Do you know that we are the people who are suffering and Jesus help us? So that is not in the Bible, but it's own good. So not because the, 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 what people say sounds good, mean it lines up with sound doctrine. So we have to look what Jesus is saying because he's speaking about the kingdom of heaven. So the usual interpretation is that the leaven is the gospel and the woman is the church. And this, this is even in some commentary section in Bibles. They say the church is to take the gospel and put it into the world of humanity which is represented by the three measures of meal. The gospel, quietly but surely, will work away like leaven, like yeast in bread, until all of humanity is reached by the gospel and the whole world is changed. Then finally, the kingdom of heaven will come. Though that is far and away the most popular interpretation of this parable, it does not line up with the complete counsel of God. I'm going to explain that and we're going to get into three points this morning. But before I do that, how many of you know what yeast is? It is uh, the, the rising agent. So it's what baking powder, like that, right? In Jamaica we call it baking powder. I learned this morning that baking powder and baking soda is, is well, I it's two different things. But they say both of them are raising it. 
I, I, I didn't know that. I know that baking, baking soda goes into my fridge to keep out odor, because that rhyme, and powder goes into my dough to make it. But hey, I'm young. I'm learning some music every day. They say you can baking soda and baking powder. I guess I can put baking soda, soda in my dough as well. I don't know, like you all sound confused just like me. And God is not the art of confusion. So let's, let's, just, let's just move right, right along. But here's the idea, is that if you follow scripture, the first principle you need to get, this is not in the notes, is to understand why leaven in things is not accepted by God. It's not accepted because what leaven does, it makes a thing bigger than it really is. It gives a false representation of something. So when leaven is in something, it makes it something that is not. And so that is why everything that has leaven was unaccepted by God. That is why even the very bread that they use in communion was flat. It couldn't have any yeast in it to make it bigger than it really is. It, it making sense? So you can tell by that that this sort of interpretation that people have of the scripture is wrong. It couldn't be that God is saying that the gospel should be something that it is not. If they're comparing the gospel to leaven. But they have it in scripture, in, in their Bibles, as an interpretation of the text. Not only that, for here we are more than 2,000 years after the time our Lord told the story. And there are outstanding, outstanding increasing its significant signs from day to day almost. Which indicate that we are nearing the time which our Lord, at the end of the series of parables, cause the close of the age if that is the correct interpretation then we would see the world completely leavened by the gospel almost entirely christian if their interpretation is right then all of humanity should be christianized by now but the facts are not actually so we all know that in all of history there has never been more hatred, more crime, more violence, more injustice, more wretchedness, and more vicious evil among all of mankind than there is today. In fact, of all the centuries, historians agree that the 20th century is the bloodiest century in the history of mankind. There are there is more persecution of Christians in the 20th century than there ever was in any other, including the first century. The world is a hundred times more pagan today than it ever was in the days of the Apostle Paul. But in this parable of the leaven, Jesus comes nearer home than in any other parable because it takes it from the kitchen of an ordinary home. So now we're going to look at what then is the correct understanding that we ought to get from the parable. Why was the kingdom of heaven likened to leaven? Alright, in your notes the first thing is we're going to talk about how it affects communion with God. Communion with God. Jesus is using here a very common picture from any Hebrew household. And everyone present knew that, knew that he meant that this woman did an evil and sneaky thing when she hid this leaven in the meal. So Jesus was really saying to them, listen, something evil was done. Something about this woman's act is wrong. So we want to look at this as they would, with their background and their understanding of these symbols and what these symbols meant. So let's begin with the meal, because the meal is a central thing in this story. The woman and the leaven both did something to the three measures of meal. And that is what our Lord is trying to get across to us. The Lord is trying to help us to understand what the lady did with the meal. And the meal is the important thing. And the meal should not have any leaven in it. That is the central truth in the story. So the central question then is, what does the meal represent? If it is the meal that is going to be messed up and the meal ought not to be messed up, then I need to know what the meal represents. 
So we're going to look at the meal representing communion, representing worship. We're going to go on three things it represents because it says three measure of meal. All right. So, so this crowd of Jews would know instantly what he had in mind because with their Jewish background and training in the Old Testament, their minds would flash back immediately to one of the most common offerings in Israel. One of the most common offerings is called a meal offering. Amen? So there was a thing called the meal offering. And the meal offering consisting of three, uh, three measures of meal. That's what they, the, the, in that culture are uh, precisely prescribed to be unleavened. So when they used to offer the meal offering, they had three measures of meal that they were to offer. And they were supposed to be unleavened. Meaning without any yeast in it at all. So many of them now would think back to the very first time the phrase three measure of meal appears in scripture. Where did it all begin? I know you're a very good Bible student, so every time you hear the word begin, you know where you go. You go to the beginning, and if you go to the beginning, you go to Genesis. Everything started in Genesis. Everything outlined in the Bible began in Genesis. Everything. It is the book of beginnings. The three meals began in Genesis. And you're asking me where? All right, Genesis chapter 18 is where the three meal thing came up. And you're going to see how it has to do with communion. You're saying, well, I don't know that. And you're going to try to skip it there. But I won't go there for you. Just write it down. Genesis chapter 18. As I begin to speak, you will, you will begin to remember the story. And you say, oh, oh, oh. So Abraham was in his tent by the oaks of Mamre. One day, and he looked out the door, and he saw strangers approaching. Getting an idea? So he went to meet the strangers. And this is important, because strangers were not... It, it, it was a large society like today, so to see strangers was a very strange thing. So if you see strangers, you had to show hospitality, because nobody was supposed to be a stranger in that time because it wasn't vastly populated makes sense right so if you saw strangers it was a very strange thing so abram goes out to meet the strangers right because they were passing by and he showed them hospitality he welcomed them and offered them according to the scriptures in genesis 18 from verse 6 to 7 Three measure of meal, it said, baked into bread, which Sarah made in the tent while they were fellowshipping together out under the trees. So communion was taking place, fellowship was taking place. So the first time three meals, if meal is a significant thing, and the first time it was mentioned, it was mentioned with Abraham having some sort of fellowship, then where we see it, it's talking about something that is happening with fellowship or in fellowship. Making sense? Come on, my Bible student, you know better than that. I know you know where, come on, say, Pastor, I know where you're going. Just say it in faith. Just say it in faith. Just say, Pastor, I know where you're going. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. So, so some of you get it, you know. Some of you get it already, right? So during your conversation, it suddenly broke upon Abraham's astonished intelligence that God himself was visiting accompanied by two angels. And that was the beginning of the use of the three measures of meal as a symbol. What did it mean? What did it mean? It is clear that it became a symbol of fellowship with God and their fellowship with one another. Right? So the meal was broken up because it is speaking to fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. Fellowship with God fellowship with one another so we fellowship together and we fellowship with god now if leaven if the lady hid leaven in the meal she means it means that she was squeezing in or deceptively putting leaven in the fellowship 
between you and I and between us and God. That's the context of the verse. So tell the person beside you, be careful of the leaven. So let me bring it closer to home. What it really means is this. It's very simple. That when people begin to create stuff to break the fellowship you have in your marriage or in your church and your fellowship with God, it is like this woman taking and hiding leaven in your meal. Come on, say no leaven in my meal. It means no leaven in your communion. No leaven in your fellowship. Nothing is going to come in, creep into my fellowship with the brothers and sisters of Christ. And nothing is going to creep in with my fellowship with God to break it. This is what this woman was deceptively doing in the scripture. Alright, so let's go on. So, because meal really is a beautiful picture of the commonality of life. So very early in the life of the Jewish people, the three measures of meal became a picture of the people of God sharing the life and the fellowship of God. So when the Old Testament people offered the three measures of meal, they were describing in beautiful picturesque language what was very precious in God's sight. Three things. The oneness of God with his family. God with his people. The life they shared with each other. Under the fatherhood of God. It was describing the oneness of God with his family. God with his people. And the life they shared with each other. Under the fatherhood of God. And that's so important. See because. oftentimes, When fellowship is broken. It's not because of the two persons sometimes who are at odds. It's. It's a woman with the leaven who caused it. Most times the people who cause division, who divide you, they have peace with both parties. Yeah, yeah, but, but you know, that's why the, the scripture speaks about hating the person who sows discard. And that is why we, we teach something at Church on the Rock. Here's what we do. You see, if you tell, because gossip, remember, like, for example, you see, gossip, gossip is not lie, sometimes. Because lying is slandering and, and telling lies. You, have, you can have a lying gossiper, right? Yeah, but you can gossip and tell truth. You can actually gossip the truth. Gossip is telling people things about people that you don't have permission to share. Alright? And that can be a lie, and that can be the truth. Information needs to be given and a need to know basis. So if I tell you, if, 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 listen, if when, if when you come to my house, you realize that I eat out a plastic plate because I can't afford. Crack, 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 crockery. Um, what do what you call it? Expensive one? China wear. <laughs> right, 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 right. Listen, that is the truth. But you don't have permission to go and tell everybody. So here's what we teach. If you go and tell everyone and create a problem between you and I, and then you and I make up, you have to go back to everyone that you told the story and retract it. Because you have left them with a perception while you have changed yours. That is why we say don't do it. Because you can't catch back all the people. Amen? So it speaks to that. And that is why there is a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. But there is, there is a fellowship. And nothing. That is why Lucifer, Satan was kicked out of heaven. Because here is what he said. I can be. In other words, he wanted to disturb the fellowship. And so he became leaven and he was kicked out. Leaven cannot be entertained with the meal. It's going to mess it up. Alright. So later on in the book of judges when Gideon was suddenly confronted with the angel of God he 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 brought him an offering of three measure of unleavened meal when Hannah the mother of Samuel went to worship God in the temple she took with her an offering of three measure of meal unleavened so this is a symbol throughout the old testament and it was 
familiar to the Jews to whom Jesus spoke in our text. So the lady took and she hid leaven in there. She crept in and she affected the fellowship. So up to the point where the entire thing got messed up. If you entertain it, come on, tell the neighbor, say you cannot change what you tolerate. In other words, when you see leaven coming, you have to put a stop on it. But, but it's very deceptive because the scripture says she hid it. It's, it's very discreet how it gets in. So watch this because it also speaks about a confusion in worship, not just communion with God. And here's why. And, and I'm going to skip past this because there are more female than, than male in the room. And, and um, yeah. Just want to make sure that I'm on the lady's side. But, but, but the Bible more or less always uses a woman to describe something being wrong religiously. It's, it's like just, just patterns in the Bible. I'm just saying it's just patterns in the Bible, right? So let's move past that, right? But the patterns in the Bible, whenever anything is wrong religiously, most times than not, it references a woman. Don't know. You're not supposed to say amen. Right? We are outnumbered. All right. <laughs> you go stay single either. You, you, you barred yet? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> oh, but. <laughs> but if you go to Matthew 13, verse 33, um, if you look at it again, you realize that this was done deliberately. It was no accident. It was done with malice. It was done with premeditation. For the scripture said she took leaven and put it there. She took it and put it there by purpose. And this is saying that it is the devil's goal to poison true worship and taint the hearts of believers and befoul good churches of God. That's what the scripture is speaking to. And here's what the devil uses. He uses formalism and ritualism in many churches. You see, I'm thankful that we can let the spirit of God lead. Even if we have to vary from our precious worship schedule. Now, I don't want to get me wrong. Because you can be free in order. People believe like freedom in worship means disorder in worship. Two different things. We should not be conformed to ritualism and formalism. But we must have order in the house of the Lord. We are not stuck on fast songs. And we are not stuck on slow songs. We are not stuck on four songs. We are not stuck on three songs. But what we must do is this. Make sure that we are doing it in order. I say to people, too often, here's what happened. Well, when the Holy Spirit says, then will. I always ask, why have I never witnessed the Holy Spirit do 10 minutes? It's always 10 hours. If it is up to the Holy Spirit, why it only applies when things are going to go longer? And if the pastor goes shorter, it's not God. But the longer is stronger, is the Holy Spirit says when. But let them do one song and say, church is over. They say you don't have Jesus. But if you sing from now till morning, the Lord is moving. <laughs> I like the silence, it's deafening, you know. <laughs> but, 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 Satan also uses liberalism. So there's formalism, ritualism. He uses liberalism and many other weapons to inject poison into true worship. Including tools of distraction. So people now begin to worship and they are distracted by everything. Listen, if you are caught up in the music, you have missed the point of worship. If you have been caught up in the song, you have missed the point of worship. If you are not caught up into Jesus, you have not worshipped. So you think, as good as the music is, your worship must go beyond it. 
As good as the singing is, your worship must be go beyond it. Yes, I love this song, but more than the song, I love Jesus. So people enjoy the song and miss God. They enjoy the sound, they miss God. They are in awe. Oh my Lord, listen to that. Oh, that voice. Oh my Lord. She can sing. And you miss Jesus. Distractions. All of those things are good, but only good when they all point to the one. So many churches and believers don't have their eye on the ball and are being led more by our society than by the scriptures. So we need to worship in spirit and in truth. And that means we must be on guard for what the devil will try to sneak in on us. The leaven he'll try to bring into our worship. If you want to throw off people sometimes in worship, just stop drum and keyboard and guitar. They, they don't know what to do. They get confused. They say, so what happened? What happened to the music? They, listen, they'll be right here now crying and say, Lord, I love you. And the music stops. And we just say, what happened to the music? <laughs> what happened to the music? Turn on back the music. Because somehow, you know, Lord, I love you is not as important as the sound of instruments. So that ain't me, Pastor. I, I know. <laughs> right? So, so, so the woman in our text, she did it deliberately. But the woman in our text not only did what she did deliberately, when you see the word took, but she also did it deceptively. The word hid is there. She didn't put it in the meal. She hid it in the meal. That's the problem with yeast. When you put it in there, you can't see it. But there's an effect that it carries. It is there, but you just can't see it. But it is having an effect. Amen? Amen. Right? So it is yet another good reason to reject the leaven is the gospel according to the earlier interpretation I talked to you about. Because we don't sneak the gospel in. We don't do that. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's the power of God unto salvation to anyone who believes. Amen? We're not trying to be like, like, like parents to kids. When you want to give them the medication. You know, you're just seeking it. You know, you're just, it's of juice. And then when the kids fall asleep, you say, yeah, got ya. No, 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 we're not trying to do that. We are upfront with the gospel. Because the truth shall set men free. We don't try to trick people into getting saved or gimmick them into getting into church attendance. We, 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 we're not going around and telling people that they have this. Come to church because we have AC. Come to church because we're going to be giving you food. Come to church because we're going to do this. The scripture says, if any man desire to follow me, let him what? Deny himself. Take up his cross. And follow me. Listen, what I knew is that the disciples left some stuff and followed Jesus. They didn't follow Jesus to get things. They followed Jesus to get him. We have changed the gospel to tell people, come to Jesus and get stuff. Jesus says, come to me and leave the stuff. And we have been providing entertainment gospel. We tell people how the music is sweet. And then when they come to church and the music get bad, we ask why they are complain. So here's what, here's what, here's what. You know this in dating. If you don't date for love, relationship not going to work. Because money going to run out. If you date for the money, if you date for looks, it's not going to work. Because looks going to change. The person you're sitting beside right now who is your spouse, not going to look that way 10 years from now. Trust me. And if they look the same way and you change, they may not be sitting beside you. Trust me. So thank God for change. That you are changing and they are changing. Because if one remain young and one remain old, you're going to have problems. So Jesus always encouraged people to count the cost of following him. 
we should not tell people that Christianity is a bed of roses. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus said to one man, he said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. There's no house provided for you in the kingdom. There's a mansion in heaven. That's what I'm telling you about. We're not here to build you a house. We are here to get you into your mansion in heaven. Do you hear me church? And that's how we ought to present the gospel. And stop shortchanging the power of the Holy Spirit. By giving people escape clauses. In other words, consider the cost of becoming my follower. He told another to let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me. And no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So count the cost. This new evangelism is saying we need to entertain people, water down our message, and slip in the truth, and then somewhere along the way, after they are hooked, bring them in through a concert, and then give them the gospel. No, give them the gospel. That's our job. But we aren't to hide the gospel, church. We are to preach it. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor and point at them and say, listen to me, brother. Or listen to me, sister. Your job is not to make the gospel appealing, but to make the gospel available. I'm here to make the gospel available. People have to find Jesus appealing. That's not my job. If, if, if all that the Bible says is not appealing enough, I don't need to sell Jesus. He says, all of creation have seen his attributes. Some men are without excuse. My job is to make the gospel available. In fact, the first note of the gospel is not a happy note. It's not to tell people how it's good. It's to tell people how bad they are. It is. All have sinned and come up short. That's the first note of the gospel. So we, we say, but God love you. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. Listen, if, if, if I walked up to you this morning because I have some here and I have found the cure for HIV. And I walk up to you, my friend, and I say, listen, I have this for you, right? It is, it's going to cure your HIV. You would not come back to church. I'm telling you. You'd say, he's out of order. Who tells him that I have HIV? In fact, some people would be offended by me using the very example in church. I'm gone, but they say, disrespect, that's wrong. In other words, though I'm offering something good, the person don't realize that there's something bad. So here's what now. If I showed you an HIV test with your name on it that you did that says you have the disease, and then I provide the cure, it would bring joy to your face. In other words, the only way you're going to enjoy the, 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 the healing is if you understand that you have the sickness. People will not receive the gospel until they realize how bad they are. Because people don't think they are bad don't need Jesus. Only sinners. He, came, he didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. So men must know you're a sinner. I am a sinner saved by grace. Hey, hey, listen, my kids, I told them, you are some two wicked little boys. You are, thank God that Jesus saved you. Uh, they asked me, Daddy, why I need to get saved? Because you are two wicked little creatures. You need Jesus. I, I, was very, I was very blunt. And their mother was trying to massage the truth in. And they said, that, that's so, wow. Listen, you're, you should be glad that you're in our time. Because if John the Baptist were here, you'd be vexed. Because he said, you brother vipers. In other words, he's calling you serpents and cynics and sinews and forty legs. Which, I'd rather be called a wretched sinner. That serpent. I don't know about you. <laughs> right? But, but you have to give people the bad news. So they can enjoy receiving the good news. This is not good news. Because there is no good news until you face the bad news. 
as we close, right, right, uh, uh, corruption in, 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 in worship. We're going to go through this, right? The corruption in worship. Talk about the communion with God. We're going to talk about this corruption in worship. The, the, the leaven, so, so in this there is something that is happening. The leaven of the Pharisees, uh, so there are three things. The leaven of the Pharisees, which is legalism. All right? So there are three leaven that scripture speaks of. We're going to close with this, right? In, 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 in Matthew 16, verse 6, let me read it for you quickly. It says this, Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees. The leaven of the Pharisees is what you call legalism. You have to be careful of the leaven of legalism. Legalism is that these Pharisees thought there Jesus was talking about bread. But he was talking about doctrine and their legalism. You see, the, 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 the Pharisees were the people who arranged their faith into a list of do's and don'ts. They made a critical mistake of outwardly conforming to the law even though they had inward corruption. Nothing that you do on the outside is good unless your heart is right. Listen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the, the spirit flows, the guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. What dictates, dictates whether your works are good or bad is the state of your heart. Get that. If you give a million dollars and your heart is full of hate, it's a waste. So, so, so they thought by doing all the outward acts, everything would be okay. So for example, right? So they made life miserable for the people as they went around like uh, police checking up on everyone. So for example, um, the, the Old Testament speaks of being ceremonially clean before partaking of food. So the Pharisees took that and embellished it to a ridiculous degree. Let me explain what they did, right? You would not believe this. So say that there was a Burger King in that day, or a KFC, and you went there to eat. You had to be clean. So you'd have to get an egg shell. Can you imagine? You have to walk with your personal eggshell. Right? And you have to break the eggshell in half, you know, because if it don't half, you know, you're in problems. You have to fill up that with the water, and then you have to pour it on your hands, and you have to make it drip down to your elbow. And if it were not done precisely that way, you would be unclean. Now, if you got it right down to a tea, you know, and you plan for all oh, kill the person that's serving you the food, you know, everything all right, you know. Because they weren't measuring people's heart. They were measuring their outward action. That's what they were doing. They were checking out people's outward action. And they would say, listen, listen, you're still unclean. So they would... They, they, they would heat the burden on others, but they didn't live right themselves. But what I'm sorry to say that the leaven of the Pharisees is still around today. Many people say, you know, I'm spiritual because I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't sleep around. And, and, and I, I, I come to church three times a week. But you can come to church three times a week and be as carnal as an old goat. Because true spirituality doesn't work its way from the outside in, but from the inside out. The problem with ease is that it goes from the outside in. Jesus says, real spirituality begins from the inside out. In fact, some of God's creation have what they call exoskeleton. I did biology in third form, and I just thought I'll just drop some of this in here. Right, right. Unlike humans who have endoskeleton. Right, right, right. Amen. So like, like, like things that have exoskeleton are like lobsters and crabs, right, right? So you have lobster Christians. So that ain't me, pastor. Lobster Christians, they have been injected with the leaven of the Pharisees. They have their convictions on the outside, but they are cold, unkind, unloving, and will pinch you with their list of rules. 
You see, convictions are fine to have, but they should be like bones that you have on the inside. They hold you up, give you strength and support and, and, and you and your shape, but still allow you to be soft and gentle and warm on the inside. Paul says it very well in Galatians 5 verse 9. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Uh, what was he speaking of in this context here? He was speaking about liberality in Christ versus legalism. And so there we find a balance to aspire unto. Even though we have liberality, if we use that liberty as an excuse or an occasion to the flesh, it will go badly for us. Just a little nudity, just a little drink, just a little joke. The devil tries to get us to try just a little leaven, knowing it will take over and spread like wildfire. Just a little lie, just a little stealing, just a little lusting, just a little. It's just one time. It's just a try. And that's the little leaven that messes up the whole lump. Come on, tell your neighbors, it's not a little. It is leaven. Then, then we're going to close, right? The, 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 the second type of leaven you have to watch out for. You have the Pharisees. You have to watch out for the leaven of the Sadducees. The Sadducees, verse 11 to 12 of Matthew 6. How it is that you do not understand that I did not speak of you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Listen to what the Sadducees do. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, the Pharisees added to the word of God a list of over 600 rules. But here's what the Sadducees did. They took away from it. This is the leaven of liberalism. So one person said, Rule, rule, rule. The other person says anything goes. You can wear anything, come to church. You can do anything when you come to church. Nothing is wrong if you go to Sting or Burn a Boy concert. You can go to Bujubantan intimate concert with Tony Rebel. You can go to um, Rebel Salute. You understand me? Nothing is wrong. You can, you, listen, anything goes. God knows your heart. And grace covers a multitude of sin. Burn a little weed. Drink a little rum. Everything goes. Everything goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So one person says, listen, rule, rule, rule. The other person says, free, free, free. Do what you want. Do what you like. Yeah. Yeah. So you have some churches full of grace. And you have others full of truth. Jesus says all churches must be full of grace and truth. Because you can't have a proper ministry without grace and truth. There are the liberals of the day. So we need to beware. And may we always be, always stand for the fundamentals of the faith. Today it's hell and literally fire, that, um, fire that's under attack. Or even the virgin's birth. People dispute. Or was Jesus a phony? Or some people ask, is the entire Bible inspired? I mean, some people even, I don't know if you heard this one, that they, they actually say no, that Jesus never, you cannot find anywhere where Jesus condemned homosexuality. That's, that's a new one now. But may we never be guilty of explaining away Bible truths or allegorizing the miracles of the Bible or the return of Christ or the tribulation and the end of the world. We live in a generation of churches that are putting question marks where there should be exclamation points. So I have a, I have a new phrase, right? Don't ask me that. It's not a question. It's not a question if homosexuality is wrong. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. I don't have an opinion on it. Don't ask me my opinion. Uh, this is what the Bible says. Are you saying? That, that's, that's a new thing now. Are you trying to say? I like to tell people. I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm not trying to talk. I'm not trying to say anything. So let me say it to you again. The Bible says it's wrong. I have no opinion. Yeah. 
I want, I want you to pray for me that I never get into the temptation to trim my message. And I'll pray the same for you. So let's practice up on taking our stand because it's not going to get easier in the last days. There's coming a day, if the Lord tarries, that government will say, I'm no longer allowed to preach against homosexuality or any other form of sexual sin. People want to tell you it is okay um, to, to live in, in relationships and marriage. Adultery is okay and bestiality is okay. People can marry dogs. Because you're pet, you know, you know, and, and give all your wealth to dogs and, and to cats and stuff like that. And, and it, it, it's okay, it's okay. And, well, the, the, the Babylonians say it's wrong, so it must be right. Becoming our own gods. In fact, some of these things are already considered to be hate speeches in some countries. It's happening in other countries, and it's coming our way. Finally, you have the leaven of Herod. And that is the leaven of materialism. Mark 8.15 speaks to that when he talks about Herod. He says, be careful of the leaven of... Verse 15, he says, Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So you have the leaven of the Sadducees, the leaven of the Pharisees, and the leaven of Herod. His lifestyle was all about wealth and material possession. And Christianity has become a, a, has made a major turn in recent years. And never more than the last few years to resort to prosperity teaching, entertainment preaching, and delivering a hyper-grace, humanistic, social gospel of just being happy and becoming a better and better person. And letting God bless you more and more. It's an all-positive message with no stepping on toes allowed. They have decided to go that direction in their lives and in their churches so that they have to build doctrines and manufacture scriptural support for it. They do all kinds of hermeneutical gymnastics trying to stretch the Bible to say what the Bible didn't say. Now I want you to understand that I don't have a problem with people having stuff. But the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God. Stuff are to be added to our lives, not to be pursued. God ought to be pursued. And if God has blessed you materially, enjoy it in the right balance. Because God has given us richly all things to enjoy. It's good to have stuff and to enjoy it. I, I love to drive a nice car. I'd love to have a big mansion on the hill with my telescope and looking at the eclipse and all of those things when that time come about. You know, be able to, when I'm coming here, I land on top of the church in my helicopter and just, and just, and just come down in my parachute. Just make a big grand entrance and say, welcome Pastor Omur Stenet, the church. And clap your heads. Bam, 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 bam. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. That, that was just a joke, right? I just, I just tell you how ridiculous the whole thing is gotten. Like pastors want to buy their own cruise ship. Like, oh, oh listen, I don't have a problem with things, but, but, but here's the issue. Here's the issue. Let me tell you what the issue is. But true spirituality recognizes the best riches God has given to them is not money and material things, but true riches that moth and rust don't touch. So the key is to is do you own your possession or do they own you? Do you own your possessions or do they own you? Do you control your finances for God's glory or do they control and steer you and your life? And what do you have that money can't buy and death can't take away? Those are true riches. Let me tell you this. The greatest wealth in my life is the one thing that money can't buy. And if you kill my flesh, you can't touch my soul. It's salvation. And if I have salvation and never own a car, and you have cars and never have salvation, I'm wealthier than you. That's true wealth. Again, nothing is wrong with stuff. But don't let your possessions own you. 
In fact, I believe that there are some Christians who would be better off if they never could have afforded that vehicle or that boat or that big screen because of the way those things changed them and have steadily crept up and taken over. There's a pastor recently who spoke about he has been teaching wrong about a particular doctrine and giving and he apologized to the church. But my Bible tells me that you need to make restitution. For there's a man in the scripture that was collecting taxes and the Lord said to him, go and give back to all the people. So until you have given them back, you're, you're still in the process. It's not finished yet because you have it. It's not that you have squandered it. You need to give up all the things that you have and give it back to the people that you stole if you think it is wrong. He who still let him steal no more and give to those who are in need. Scripture must be complete when we are teaching from it. Do you hear me church? It's not enough to say to my wife I am sorry. I, dear, I am so sorry for messing up the room. And then leave it dirty. Right? If, if I say to you after hitting your car, I'm sorry for hitting your car and never repaired it, what would you think? I'm not sorry at all. So if you're sorry for stealing all of that money in false pretense, and you have it, give it back. That's what the Bible says. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we use the Bible. So legalism, liberalism, materialism. The woman hid the leaven and eventually it permeated all three measures of that door. So that this parable is predicting the coming day when the whole world created will be affected by leaven. So I hope that none of us be here. The salt will be removed at the rapture before the whole world goes to leaven in the great tribulation. So as individuals and as a church, where do we stand when it comes to being leaven? Are we pursuing to build strong communion with Jesus Christ? Are being lured by the leaven of legalism, the leaven of liberalism, the leaven of materialism? Our eternity with Christ all depends upon our relationship with him. Just quickly, just bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you as we close this morning. And I also want to offer someone this morning an opportunity to make things right with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I have nothing to promise you except to tell you that God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. That if you believe in him, you will have everlasting life. And that's it. You can either accept him or you can reject him. That's up to you. But if you'd love to receive him this morning, I can have someone stand beside you and pray with you. And if you have received him and somehow you have walked away from that path and you want to recommit to him, you too can stand and I'll have someone to pray with you. There is nothing, no incentive to be given by the church. Listen, all you need is Jesus. And he will cover every need in your life in due time as he, the Lord, sees fit. So if you, if you don't know him or you want to know him, you want to recommit to him right where you are. I won't be long. This is less than 30 seconds because you know the gospel, you know the truth. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you want to receive him this morning. If you want to accept him, if you want to commit, if you want to recommit your life to him. So we can lead you in a very simple prayer. Hallelujah. See, I won't tarry. I won't delay. Now I want to pray for us church because... Some of us may have allowed leaven to creep into our life. And we have been acting in a legalistic way. Maybe for some of us we have become so liberal that anything goes now in our life. And we need to lift the bar and lift the standard again. And live holy lives set apart unto our God and Lord. For we are a holy people. The called out ones of the Lord God Almighty. We are to be separate. And different. Maybe we have been... Uh, we have allowed the leaven of materialism to creep into our life that we are being owned by the thing that the major pursuit of our life is for a more comfortable and convenient life not for true godly character so we want what is good materially at the expense of what is good spiritually God is not shaping you into a possessor of car he's shaping you into a Christ like vessel that will bring honor and glory to his name your character is more important to God than your comfort. 
He wants to work from the inside out and change and transform you. And say, Heavenly Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. You are a good God. Time after time after time, you expose us to your grace and your loving kindness. We could have been cast off, but God, you have called us near. When we consider how the frailty of the human life, we realize that your love is so great that you accept us in your beloved. So we ask you, Lord, to forgive us. If any of us have allowed leaven into our lives, Lord, forgive us and remove it now in the name of Jesus. If it's a leaven of legalism, where we have been living our lives from the outside in instead of from the inside out, Lord, forgive us. And we repent in the name of Jesus. If we have allowed the, the, the leaven of liberalism to creep into our lives, God, we ask you to forgive us. And we repent in the name of Jesus. It's not everything that goes. For we are to live at a higher standard. And to glorify you in our speech, in our conduct, and in our love. If we have allowed the, the, the leaven of materialism to creep into our lives. Where we have become such lovers of the earthly saints that we forget that we have a home in heaven mansions in the sky pearly gates streets of gold streams that never run dry streams that bring healing endless worship and singing and dancing with the elders and the angels may we fix our eyes on the glory of heaven than the glory in the material things of this life for the greatest wealth in this life it's not a car or a home or lots of money in the bank. The greatest wealth is having Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. The word says it is your will that we prosper and be in good health as our souls prosper. We want great prosperity of the soul, our minds, our emotions, our will. And so we Surrender to you in the name of Jesus. We come back home to daddy. We come back home to you in sweet communion. As, as Abraham met the strangers and there was a sweet fellowship, Lord God. We, we come to you, Lord God. And our meal is our worship today. We come into communion and sweet divine fellowship with the king of glory. Our humanity meet up with divinity. as the Shekinah fills and floods our lives. Spirit of the living God, we pray that, that, that every person in this room, every, every person in this room would be on guard for the living. It's coming, Lord God. When many will compromise the doctrine. Let us not be deceived. But give us eyes to see in the name of Jesus. Open our spiritual eyes to see it from afar. God calls us to be engaged in prayers and worship. That will show us what's happening in the realm of the spirit. Say no leaven in our meal. Come on, just lift your hand and say no leaven in my meal. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, so to you alone belong the glory. To you alone belongs the honor. To you alone belongs the praise. You will get the glory out of this. Thank you that you have a plan for us. And no leaven is going to mess up that plan. 
no leaven will mess up the plan of God for our lives. For it's a good plan to give us a hope and an expected end. It's not to harm us, to make us something that we are not. But in due time, we, we will be elevated by you so we don't need leaven to lift our levels. You will, by your spirit, in a reduced season, at the Kairos moment, so we wait patiently and you are God. glorify in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Come on, just stand to your feet and give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Come on, he deserves better than that. You can't give Jesus no potter cake. He's a great strong and mighty God. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, remember we have all of those prayer things and the fasting things to send out. If you have not received them yet in your email, you should have. We may not have you on our email listing. And if you leave a number we can whatsapp it to you or we can email it to you so you can be up to date with what we're doing amen god bless you have a wonderful wonderful rest of the week we start our fast tomorrow at six i know you're going to join us um and be a part of it and and you can come out on tuesday as well at house of prayer and come pray with us god bless you god has a plan for you amen Thank you.